Welcome to Casual Radio. I'm your host, Corey Adam, and today with me is... Bob Scrivener. Bob's your uncle. How you doing, Mr. Adam? Hanging out and pushing buttons. So guess what? What's up? Apparently, our video or our episode on conspiracy theories, apparently it was really, really good. People loved it. There were a lot of uh, a lot of listens, and thanks to everybody for uh, for checking it out. We had a lot of fun recording that one, that's for sure. Yeah, I'm glad that a lot of people, other than myself, are into conspiracy theories. It's true. We, a lot of people do like it, as long as they don't like that flat Earth shit. <laughs> yeah, about that. <laughs> so, that leads me to a good idea. I believe we're going to start doing some episodes on Delta Green. Yes, sir. Delta Green, essentially conspiracy theory, the game. One of my favorite, uh, one of my favorite games. Well, that's perfect then, because clearly people want to hear it. So why don't they you do. tell? Why don't you tell me a little bit about it? Well, Delta Green is a uh, it's a tabletop role playing game similar to Dungeons and Dragons or Pathfinder or other games like that. Um, basically, you are part of a government agency that investigates and neutralizes threats that are unhuman aliens uh monsters you know things like that basically it's uh, it's very similar in tone and execution to the x-files uh which it actually came out i think six months before the x-files pilot came out the original rule the original rule set was released for um for delta green but um yeah, it's uh, it's it's a lot of fun. I that's the game that I have the most experience running. I ran it for about a year straight every weekend. A couple of years ago, whenever I first picked up the uh, the updated books, the updated rule set, and uh, man, it's a lot of fun. And I think you you especially will love it. I think Mr. Russ will enjoy it too. Uh, it's got a got a very uh, very heavy bend towards investigation. And uh, the actual lore of the game is very much, very much conspiracy theory. I mean, it's it's based heavily in, um, it's based heavily in people's conspiracy theories, whether or not they're true, you know, whatever. There's a lot of UFO stuff and alien stuff, but there's a lot of other things, some of which have been proven true, some of which have been proven false, some of which are still up in the air. So. Um, as far as the lore and the setting of the game, I think you'd re- I think you're really going to love it. Well, I am a big X Files fan. Well, was over the years they stopped, but conspiracy I still theories... love the X Files. I don't give a shit. Great oh, show. Yeah. I, I miss it. But conspiracy theories, X Files, that type of stuff. I'm mostly a gamer for World of Warcraft, which is how we got the name. So this sounds like a really good new thing. Yeah, I think, like I said, I think you guys are really going to enjoy it, and I think the listeners are going to enjoy it, especially as you guys grow into the game and kind of sink your teeth into it more. Uh, if everybody enjoys it enough, that I would like this to become a semi-regular thing. There's a lot of new books coming out. Um, Arc Dream, which is the publisher, I actually just did a huge Kickstarter recently, 
that I, uh, I was actually involved in up until the last minute because I did not have the extra cash, sadly. They're reprinting all of their old books from when the game first came out and kind of updating them and getting new art and all kinds of cool stuff. And sadly, I just I didn't have the extra hundred bucks. And um, so I'm going to end up having to go back and rebuy all that stuff separately, which is fine, because like I said, I love it. It's one of my favorite games, one of my favorite settings and uh, interesting. Now you will be our game master, like you were for Pathfinder. So I will be. What, I will be game master, and that is true. So, what timeline? Like, when will this timeline begin? Where do so, we start? So, the actual. So, the the first thing I'm going to tell you is that Delta Green was actually a real thing during World War II. Delta Green, as a code name, was a real thing during World War II as part of the OSS. The actual game has distinct timeline periods. And they go from the early 20s up oh, until, yeah. yeah, the early 20s up until 1970. In 1970, in world, Delta Green was shut down. Now you're talking but, real life Delta Green. No, 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 no. In, in the game. In, okay. In, okay. The, in real life, uh, the Delta Green uh, office was kind of, it was called Black Propaganda, and they were the ones that were making up the stuff for Hitler to think that like magic was going to work and stuff like that. They, they dealt with a lot of propaganda to try to get the Germans to quit the war basically. Okay. But the, uh, in, in game, they actually, uh, Delta green absorbed a collection of, uh, cryptographers known as the black chamber, which was America's first, basically they were the NSA before the NSA was a thing. And they were shut down by, uh, uh, Henry was it Harry Simpson who was uh, the secretary of state who very famously said, gentlemen, do not read each other's mail. So that's how the, the Japanese got the drop on us at the beginning of world war two, because this moron shut that down. But in the game, uh, the black chamber and Delta green ended up kind of absorbing together. And that's the first um, kind of major timeline is from the early twenties, all the way through 1970 through Vietnam. Damn. Yeah, in 1970, there was a an incident where a um, a Delta Green agent slash Marine Colonel went rogue and tried to summon basically a, a, a evil god in the jungles of Southeast Asia. Wait, and, what? Yeah, and Delta Green shut him down, but because it was one of their guys turning double, they were shut down. The crazy part is I'm not sure if that's part of the game or if that shit really happened. Yeah, exactly. So from 1970 up until the, I think it was 91 or 92, you have an era that in game is called the cowboy era. And they were opposed to a group called Majestic 12. Now I do know Majestic 12. You do know Majestic 12. Majestic 12 is a big part. a big part of the whole Roswell, the whole UFO conspiracy theory situation. And in-game, the Cowboys basically did their best to destroy anything that Majestic 12 was working with because they made it clear that they were holding whatever the aliens were giving us over American citizens. And that actually takes, takes a, that actually happens in some of Delta Green's earlier missions is that they have to kind of save citizens or they have to shut down these bases or they have to, you know, they end up fighting against 
Majestic 12 and their um, their Wetworks arm called NRO Delta, which, as you know, Wetworks is basically their assassination squad. Yep, hitmen for hire. And one of the the main hitman for Majestic 12 was one of the survivors of the mission from 1970. Hillary Clinton. I don't think so. No. <laughs> we know she's the one who killed Epstein. Right. Um, but one of the uh, one of the original Delta Green agents that from 1970, whenever it was the, one of the survivors from the mission that shut them down, ended up working for NRO Delta. Now, in the early 90s, the former commander of Delta Green that was still kind of running it from the shadows was assassinated. Oh, shit. And when that happened... They went uh, the the lone survivor from the the higher ups of Delta Green named Joseph Camp organized Delta Green as a conspiracy. So they called it the conspiracy era and they were organized in cells and there was a cell, B cell, C cell. And you had your code names. You only ever knew the, the people you directly worked with. Okay. A cell was the main guy and his people. And they were the ones that sent the missions out. Right. Okay. And um, so, so they from were the, Q for 007, right? Q. I mean, they, they all had M also had a name like that, but it was kind of like that. But they all like, for example, Joseph Camp was the head of the organization and they called him Alphonse and his assistant was named Axiom. So they all had names starting with the letter of the cell that they were in. Oh, and okay. they would and they would give out missions. And this was the early 90s. This was the X-Files era, basically. And uh, this was actually the era, this was right around when the game was created. So this was actually kind of happening as the game was first happening in the real world. And um, so there were like, there were organizations like Saucer Watch, which is kind of like uh, move on in real life. They did a lot of um, UFO stuff because UFOs ended up being directly connected to the original lore that uh, the original situations that brought Delta Green out. So we're going to get into a little bit of Project Blue Book, which I love. More than likely, there's going to be some stuff happening with that. And and like I said, because of all these different eras, you can actually jump forward and backwards in time to do different things. And there's also there's also time travel in, in the game, but we'll get to that later. Um, so after from the early 90s until 9-11, it was the conspiracy era. Now, during 9-11, one of Delta Green's agents basically took over Majestic 12. He killed a bunch of the directors and forced a takeover of Majestic 12. So now Delta Green, as it's called the program, is actually officially part of the U.S. government again. It's got its own its own you know, chain of command. They're in charge of NRO Delta, which was the Wetworks organization, and they have to investigate these things, and they do these things for the government, right? Right. But a bunch of the conspiracy-era agents – don't trust the government and don't trust the people that are working with the government. So they have their own Delta green that is still organized as a conspiracy in cells. And some of the a cell people, some of the, the managers basically also work for the government Delta green. It's called the program and the outlaws. There is over, there is overlap to them, but you never really know in game so sometimes you could think that you're working for the official Delta Green, but you're actually working for the outlaws and Man, vice versa. Nuts. And 
if you're working for one, even though they technically have like a ceasefire where they don't try to kill each other, if you fuck with the other people enough, they might try to kill you. Man, that's nuts. Yep. I love it. It gets, it gets wild. And, uh, and another, there's another kind of big part of it. So as the game, obviously the game isn't just, isn't just centered around the U S right. Uh, obviously in, you know, during Vietnam, there were agents in Vietnam and there's actually one of the more famous missions is called Kaligata and it takes place in Afghanistan. But there are certain areas that are off limits to Delta green because of incidents that have happened in the past. One of the big lore enemies that, that Delta Green has is an alien race called the Shan. Say that and again? Sh- it's an alien race called the Shan. Sham? Shan. Shan. Got it. Shan. Yep. Uh, it's, they're actually, uh, they're also called the Insects from Shagai, which is, uh, it's a story written, one of the stories written by H.P. Lovecraft. All of this is actually based off the Call of Cthulhu series and, and RPG. Um, so the Shan take, uh, end up involved in a series of stories based in England and because of their ability to basically control people through, uh, kind of manipulate their minds, they're actually in charge of the British government. So you're saying the queen is actually an insectoid. Not the queen, the actual government and their secret agents and their police and all of that. So there was a shootout in the mid-90s with a group of British secret agents while they were trying to rescue an American national in England. So now Delta Green is no longer allowed to go to England because you have to assume that everybody in England and everybody in the government is compromised. Oh, damn. Yep. And then there are a few other ones. Like there's um, Russia has an organization that's called uh, GRU SVR, uh, SVU-8, and they date back all the way to World War II. That was a real unit, too, the GRU. They uh, they have their own kind of organization with that. And actually, in one of the earlier Delta Green missions, Delta Green inserts into Russia to kill Stalin before he can be cloned and then resurrected. And Gru SV-8 helps them do it because they don't want clones of Stalin running around. Oh, hell no. Yup. And then there's another group called Section M, and they are Canada's, basically, X-Files or Delta Green. And they deal with a lot of stuff about, like, Wendigos, and they deal with a lot of stuff dealing with kind of Native American and, um, uh, you know, more natural stuff. Delta Green, at this point, especially as far as the official program, deals more with what are called the Deep Ones. The original uh, Delta Green mission that kind of created it is uh, the story um, Shadows Over Innsmouth. And it's basically these deep, these deep ones, Dagon, like fish gods, intermingling with humanity and using that to try to take over, basically like try to take over the world, essentially. So they and start and shit. Delta Green is basically technically um, only allowed to deal with hotspots dealing with them. Like they can only identify cities to deal with with deep ones and they can only investigate those outside the country. That's the only thing they're allowed to investigate outside the country. Um, They don't even deal with UFOs or aliens anymore because all of the UFO technology that they were given before nine 11 stopped working and all of the gray bodies and the grays that they were interacting with just suddenly went inert and basically died. Oh damn. 
And that is, that's another like kind of layer of lore that I'm not going to go into because I think we'll end up playing something to do with that. But there's something else with them that the aliens obviously had their own kind of situation going on. And we don't know about it basically as humanity. That's crazy. But there's a lot of other stuff too. Uh, the Philadelphia experiment plays in pretty heavily. Uh, there's actually a mission where um, you know, there's a game scenario where a U.S. Navy SEAL team was sent into the Philadelphia experiment to destroy the, it's called the Tellinghouse resonator, which is a generator in the ship that was essentially making it invisible. But it was also what made everybody go crazy. And it was sending the ship basically through time so that it was simultaneously existing in 1943, 2007, 2218, and like 3003, and all at the same time. And if it didn't get destroyed, it was going to destroy all reality ever. So they had to send a Navy SEAL team in to destroy it. Well, that escalated quickly. <clears throat> yup. Man, so there's, I there's love the Philadelphia experiment too. Yeah, and that's like I said, that's that's a uh, that's that's an official mission and that's an official part of the lore. And um, there's, I mean, a lot of the stuff that you would think of that you think of as like American style, like Bigfoot. Bigfoot's a part of the, a part of Delta Green. Um, there's now, just Bigfoot's a, there's a, one I never believed in, to be honest. There's there's just a lot of stuff in it, man. That's and I I don't know I don't know I, I think if Bigfoot was real, we just we would have had more evidence of it already. But right. at the same time, I could see it existing in Canada because Canada's got more open space that people don't go into. So I could see that more likely with that. But true, I don't know. I don't know if it's if it's real. If it's not, I don't really care. I think it's funny. It's cool to think about. So Harry and the Hendersons, great movie. Yes, especially when they got him all the the hamburgers. That was one <laughs> yep. of my favorite things. He was chowing. Yeah, like, what I, the hell is this? And yep. I love that movie. I could watch that movie every day. Nice. See, we always have so much in common. I like that. I know. It's weird. I think you, um, I think you just come sniffing around my house and look at the stuff that I have. That's what I think happens. But uh, <laughs> that's my conspiracy theory. That's, I was going to say, that's a, the new conspiracy theory. If you hear a Chevy idling outside your house at night, you're like, sus. Mm-hmm. Which technically my car has the, uh, you know, it's a new car. It's got the auto stop feature. So once I yeah. stop it automatically shuts off. So you won't hear shit. That's uh, true. But you won't even know I'm there, but I do walk around the house and in my underpants with a gun. So, you know, <laughs> you don't want to be trying to sneak into my house. Sucker. Like I said, I'll never go around. There. <laughs> <laughs> you and your underwear alone is terrifying. Oh, I'm worried that's, about that's, the gun. Oh, that's harsh. That's harsh. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, but yeah, as a game, as far as the game mechanics, now you and I and Russ have played Pathfinder before. Right. And Pathfinder is a D20 game, which means most of the rules are used with a 20, a 20-sided dice. In Delta Green, this is a D100 or a D percentage system. And what that means is you're going to roll either a 100-sided dice or two 10-sided dice, and you're going to get a percentage number from 1 to 100, Right. And based on what your skill level is in whatever skill, that's going to determine if you succeed or fail. The good thing about Delta Green is, is it, it as a game, it's designed around investigation and it's designed around role playing. Okay. So if you, let's, for example, let's say you are playing a character that is a computer engineer, right? So let's say your skill level is 
which is pretty high. Like that's an expert computer guy. If you have to interact with a computer as part of the mission, you would not have to make a role because of your expertise, unless a critical failure would cause adverse effects. So for example, if you're just trying to check a computer to see if this guy had an email that was deleted and you need to read what it said, you don't even have to make a check because your skill level is so high. But if this guy has this computer bombed so that if you try to look up his old stuff, it blows up, you would have to make a computer's check. Well, yeah, I don't want to get my ass blown up. So there's a lot of stuff with that. And also one of the things that I really like about the game is that as the handler, which is what the game master is called, as the handler, I am allowed to give discretionary bonuses or say that you don't even have to roll for things if you role play them well. So, for example, one of these skills in the game is called human, human intelligence. And that that, you know, that um, that encompasses a lot of different things. It can encompass surveillance, tailing somebody counter surveillance. So let's say you guys are driving to your mission and you want to make sure that nobody's following you and you have a human intelligence of 50, 50%, which is pretty high. Right. You could either choose to roll for it or you could choose to tell me precisely what you do to do your check to check to see if you're being surveilled. And if you tell me something that's that's real and that's something that you would really do and something that would really work, I can either give you a discretionary bonus to make it easier for you to pass a rule, or I could just say, well, that was really well done. Like, you just succeed. Nobody's following you. So I can bring tactics and, like, if I describe my evasive maneuvers really intricately, that would actually benefit or if you like, like I said, I'm a big fan of like, I like spy novels. I like reading about spy history. I'm a big fan of stuff like that. So like if I were playing and I were like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to walk through this building and case it. But like I say that I dress up like a homeless guy and rub dirt on my face. And then I try to get in to use the bathroom and I could see that the, the elevators have badge readers in it. And the handler wouldn't have to make me roll because I role played it so well. You know what I mean? Like there are a lot of different things that you can just make rolls for, or you can just succeed at because you described it so well. So if I give better descriptions, more imagination, it actually can help even if I get a low roll. Exactly. Well, and you wouldn't have to roll necessarily. That's the thing. If you describe it well enough, you don't have to. And that's one of the things that I like about the game is that if you are interested in the game enough, it pays off for you because like, you know, you're, you know, you're an ex military guy. Russ is kind of into the same kind of stuff. So like, if you're talking about conspiracy theories that could interact with the mission that you're playing, I could give you guys some information that's kind of connected to all of that. You know what I mean? Like there are a lot of different ways that you could have that play into it. Yeah. I'm, I really think it'd be awesome. I, I, if I remember you said that your past and your present can be brought into it. So like in the past I was a hacker and now I'm a spy. So yep. that would benefit what I, when I'm doing different missions, right? Yep. Yeah, exactly. And when you make your character, you basically, you can pick professions and the professions give you like a template of what your skills would be. Like, for example, if you were to choose just a regular small town cop, 
they have a certain amount of human because they, you know, they kind of can look at people and say whether they're acting erratically. They have a, they start off with a base of 40% in firearms because you're assumed to have some training with a gun and you have a few other things, but after you've got your basic skills laid out, you have a total of, I think, 60 skill points that you could put into whatever skills you want. So you could put in all 60 into firearms and say you were a pistol champion in college, or you could put them all into archaeology and say that you went into, you went to college as an archaeologist and then took a job as a cop because you couldn't find anything in your field. You know what I mean? So there are a lot of ways to role play your way into stuff like that. And you can also like one of the, um, the, templates is a criminal like a criminal like you you're a, a cat burglar or you were a mobster but but then you can also add in stuff from from other from other things too like you could add in like explosives or heavy weapons and say that you're also a veteran that did that in the military excuse me so there are a lot of different ways to play it and to build your character and make it. You can't ever make your character good at everything. So that's why you want to have like a little bit of a mix and you have to assume that you're going to have stuff that you're not going to be able to find out. Right. Because you can't cover every field. Exactly. And also one of the things about it is, is it's very easy to die. Uh, If you recall, I was just talking about firearm skill. A regular small town cop only has a 40% firearm skill. And when you're firing, when you're shooting, you're rolling for it. So, I mean, you've got a 60% chance of missing every time you shoot. That's pretty big. Yeah, that is. And even like, for example, uh, I listened to a podcast where the guys were playing uh, Army Rangers and their, their firearm skill was like 75. And they missed almost every shot at one point because they were just rolling terribly. So, I mean, it's perfectly possible that even making your character as good as you can to do specific things isn't going to work out. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of thought and care that goes into it. But the good thing about it is, is on your character sheet, you've got all your skills. It's a whole list of your skills and the percentages, right? Each time you fail at a skill, you put a tick mark in it. And whenever the day ends, the next day you go up in that skill because you've learned how to do it better. Back to the Rangers. What I was going to say is, with that high of a thing, you know, me, I would be like, I didn't miss. I was laying down suppressive fire. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, that's, that is definitely some, that's what you say at the range when we're shooting. So see what had happened was, <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's kind of, and like I said, you know, you can, you go up in skills just by failing. Uh, you can also go into, uh, you can also do training stuff in between missions. And then another big part of the game is the sanity mechanic where you uh, each time you come into something that's kind of otherworldly, you have to make sanity rules and you lose sanity. And if you get to a certain point, you get mental conditions like you get insomnia or you become an alcoholic or you you you're um, you're adjusted to violence where you're kind of a violent personality and you will lash out at people and that takes a toll on your family life just in general, but you also have what are called bonds and the bonds each have a number corresponding with them. And you can have your bonds take some of your sanity loss, but that just means that like you've kind of grown away from them and you've grown colder towards them. You know what I'm saying? Right. So it, it can 
man, they can do all aspects of life are involved in this. Exa- oh yeah, exactly. And the thing about it is one of the, one of the things that I had watched, and this is a trigger warning for anybody that's ever had to deal with this. Cause I've had to deal with this a lot, but there's, um, if you get a certain collection of mental issues and you've lost all your bonds and your sanity is going down, your character could easily kill themselves because they're seeing all these things and they're realizing the hopelessness of life and how they're trying to fight against aliens and they're trying to fight against evil gods. And there's just no winning 100% and they just get hopeless and they just end it. So there are, there are a lot of different, circumstances and situations that come into play in this game and every decision you make could have a bad result. So what happens if like, can our insanity renew? Like maybe we get into a situation where you see some crazy alien shit and go into like a temporary madness or something. Can you regain Yes, usually whenever you have certain positives, especially at the end of a scenario, you will it will have a threshold of sanity that you gain back for succeeding at the mission. Uh, the, the most recent mission that I had played with my home group before it broke up, uh, whenever they were doing, basically they were doing this weird-ass, like, multi-dimensional thing, and they actually succeeded really early, so they got 20 sanity points back, which is a lot. Like your bonds all start off at 10. So they got 20 sanity points back, even in spite of all the crazy shit that they saw and the crazy shit that they had to deal with. So yeah, there are a lot of ways to gain it back. And you can also uh, upgrade your bond. Like I said, you can upgrade your skills by like going to school or taking a class or whatever. You can also upgrade your bonds by spending more time with them and then getting your bond level back up. Like if it's your family or your best friend or whatever, but that makes the program kind of trust you less because you're not answering your phone for all these crazy missions. Like they've got a mission every day of the week and you can get burnt out really quick. But if you try to like reset too much, they're like, Hey, this guy isn't trustworthy, man. It's like, there is no balance. Yeah. There's no, it's, it's designed to, to, to be, to bring a sense of hopelessness to you to kind of, you know, to show what this would be like, if this was real, I mean, aliens would be nothing to fuck around with. You know, if there were Bigfoots actually out attacking people, it wouldn't be, oh, it's on the National Enquirer. It would be fucking attacking people and people would be freaking out about it. You know what I mean? So there's a lot of a lot of uh, hopelessness to that kind of situation that you don't really see that this game is trying to bring out. And it's it's trying to bring out this this aura of helplessness and hopelessness and fear and horror all kind of at once into the game as you play it. So it's an intense experience at times. Sounds almost impossible, like real it, life. It can, yeah, I mean, it can be, that's for sure. And and as, as you build a campaign, it's very unlikely that all of your characters that you start with will end up sane and alive by the end of it. It's just almost impossible. Man. Sounds like a lot of fun, too. It's going to be a lot of fun. Like I said, I think you guys are going to love it. The uh, The intro mission that we're going to play is called Last Things Last. And uh, I'm going to just tell you a little bit about it. Basically, you guys are called in and you guys are kind of being tested to see if you're going to be up to the task of being Delta Green agents. And you're going to clean up after a man who had been a Delta Green agent and who might have 
some stuff left over from his career as an agent and as a friendly, which a friendly is like somebody that has helped Delta Green, but it agent isn't officially an agent. Okay. He he had worked as both an agent and as a friendly earlier in his career before he retired. He passed away of a heart attack. So you're going to be cleaning up his apartment, making sure that whatever he has isn't real. And if it is, that it's destroyed or obscured so that nobody can follow that to Delta Green and nobody will know that it's a real thing. Man, so he might have some Nikola Tesla level yeah, stuff I mean, he, hidden in his place. He could have anything because his career dates back to, to the mid-70s. So he could have anything. And, you know, he could have nothing. You know, that's that's part of it, too. So we're going to be tracking some clues with that one, too. It's not just going to be handed to you. Oh, yeah. No, you guys are going to basically you guys are going to go into his apartment and you're going to investigate it and you're going to make sure that it's sanitized and ready to go. You're going to have to try to keep your head down and not be spotted. And whatever happens from there happens from there. Man, that sounds like it's going to be freaking fun. I think you guys are really going to enjoy it. it. It is a lot of fun to play. It's a lot of fun to run. The more you learn about the world in game, the more the crazier it gets. The crazier it gets, the more you want to play. Trust me, because if I could play this every day, I would absolutely fucking do it. Now, so what is I, an average session? It Time depends. I, whenever the first time I ran this scenario, we ran for about four hours, and I wish we had cut off at the halfway point just because a few of the players got kind of bored with it. They got kind of exhausted. I don't think it'll take you guys as long because I'll probably be cutting some of the stuff down. But uh, I would say we're going to run for about two and a half to three hours. But it just depends. Most of the games that I play, I try not to run over an hour and a half or two hours because then everybody's exhausted and everybody's having trouble role-playing. And with a smaller group, because it's just going to be you and Russ starting out, with a smaller group, you guys are both having to be so engaged that it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard to avoid fatigue in a situation like that, especially with Russ, because Russ likes to sit in the back and not do anything. And he has the attention span of a butterfly. Exactly. Your little girls have more of an attention span than he does. So, nice. But uh, yeah, like I said, I think you guys will like it. I'm actually going to, um, the next time I come up, I'm going to bring you the PDF for the agent's handbook. That way you guys will have that available and you can kind of peruse it at your leisure. Um, obviously I can't give you the handler's guide because the handler's guide has every bit of lore from 1921 all the way through 2019, 2020. So, um, yeah, uh, there's a lot in there. There's a lot of cool stuff, man. Like, if you ever get a chance to run it, like if if it ever ends up being something that you're going to try to run a scenario that you feel comfortable doing it, which honestly, I don't think it, it, it would take that much to get to that point as long as you feel comfortable telling the story, which, I mean, that's part of your part of your thing as being the casual organ as you're telling lore stories. A lot of that is what this is. It's mostly role play. So, and with me knowing how to play the game, I don't think it'll be that hard for you to run it. But if you get to do that and you get to look into some of this lore, some of this background that they built this game from the bottom up out of, I think you're really going to love it. There's so much to it. There's so much stuff that I don't think any one player could ever get to it in their entire lifetime. Yeah. I, I man, this is, it's, I think you're going to be a, an type of series that we're going to be running for a long time. I agree. I think this is going to be one that you guys are really going to like. I think we can run this pretty regularly every couple of weeks, at least once a month. 
Um, I, I think uh, we had discussed possibly once we get on Patreon, making Patreon goals of making more shows if we start to make enough money to get some good equipment. And one of the shows I would like to make is a Patreon show where we play new games regularly. And I actually have a series of games that are very similar to this that we could play as well. But I would like to make this a more a common thing on our main thread, on our main stream. Yeah, we're definitely going to make this something we're going to do similar to casual radio where we do weekly. We're going to, maybe we, we can do a monthly session of this or bi-weekly. Can this be done? Can this be done over the phone also, or do we all have to be present? Kind of thing. (laughs) Excuse me. I've played it via zoom. I played it uh, on, you know, online. Um, There's not a lot of like, it's not like a miniatures war game kind of thing. So we can absolutely do it online easily. And I've done that before. As long as we have a good connection and the recordings are good, I don't see that that would be a problem. So we could actually do that more or less bi-weekly. Uh, and since I'm going to be taking over the editing for this show and kind of putting it together and making it sound good, I think that um, I think we could probably make make do with bi-weekly. And if we actually get to the point where we can make some decent money and not be having to work all the time, we can make it a weekly thing. I think I think it could be its own thing. Casual RPG could be its own thing. That sounds yeah. I mean, that's another channel that we're or another. Uh type of thing that we're adding to this channel because we're trying to do so much with casual worgen for sure casual worgen the lore casual radio every week casual streaming on twitch we're going to get some casual rpg and like i said we're going to be trying to do uh, patreon hopefully next year and if we can get that set up and get some money coming into where we can get some good equipment i mean we might be doing some more stuff too we may uh, we're going to be starting a youtube channel where we might play uh, board games we might play, you know, we might live stream things like Delta Green or other RPGs like that. Uh, we've discussed actually doing uh, a Pathfinder 2nd Edition Adventure Path, which, uh, again, that's another thing I think you guys would like. It's called uh, Fist of the Ruby Phoenix, and it's kind of like a Dragon Ball-style martial arts tournament. Which is something I know nothing about. No, but I think you'd have a lot of fun with it, especially because we, they just came out with a new book called Guns and Gears, and one of the characters they have is a gunslinger. So I think uh, I think you'd enjoy him a lot. Yeah, sounds like I would, too. But uh, we've I mean, also it, dis- it'll take some oh, time to learn. Oh, yeah, and it's going to take some time to pick up all this anyway, but we've also discussed Mr. Russ running Shadowrun, which, while I've never played the RPG system, I played the video games of that, and I love them, and I love the setting, and I'm super pumped to do that, and I hope we get to do that soon. So... We've got a lot of games coming up, man. We've got a lot of stuff that we can do. So I'm excited for it. Yeah, it's a big channel, and it's going to take more than just the casual organ himself to accomplish all this. Especially because I plan on starting a live every Friday Twitch stream of one of the things I started this whole thing, which is playing World of Warcraft. I'll be doing my... I think that's a great idea. That's going to be a lot of fun running my old raids doing some pugs i mean uh time walking doing some friday night world of warcraft just uh adding yeah, some be, fans to it yeah that'll be really cool so check that out guys check out our twitch stream i think uh i'm gonna try to play some diablo 2 reloaded or remastered and some diablo 3 on the twitch stream from time to time uh we're gonna try to get ross to play backdoor sluts 12 or whatever games it is he plays 
Um, oh, oh man, wait till he hears you say that. <laughs> <laughs> well, whatever he's into, I don't care. I'm just saying that's what he can play whatever he wants. But I, I'm texting uh, him right now that you just called him a whore. You you let him do you do that. He knows <laughs> he knows how I feel. But um, but yeah, like I think that starting with this, I think we've got a good foundation of shows to come out, and I think once we can get uh, get going, like I said, I'd like to get. Um, get some advertising going and get some Patreon money coming in. I'd like to get some better equipment. And if we get enough good equipment, man, and we've got enough time to do it, I think the sky's the limit. We've got a lot of really great ideas for putting out new content that I think uh, all you listeners are going to love. I think I may have missed an opportunity instead of casual Worgen. I could have been casual lore again. I think you should. You could always change it. Why not? Man. No, I, I, I love the name casual Worgen. But, well, you are the you are the casual splorgan, so. And you're a dick. That's true. That is true. <laughs> well, um, also, don't forget that if anybody is interested, we also have sunny specialties that can uh, make some pretty sweet swag. And pretty great stuff, man. She does great work. And are there any updates on the uh, book? You the books that you've got. Uh, we're still working. I'm actually looking into some different options for publishing. I was just reading some stuff yesterday that worldwide there's a big publishing supplies shortage because of all the crazy, crazy mail issues and that ship getting stuck in the Suez Canal. Rona. Uh, so and Rona. So we're actually looking at possibly self-publishing. Uh, we haven't had a chance to talk too much about it, but when it comes out, you all will be the first to know. So do not hesitate to go out and pick up that first book and uh, let us know how you like it. But give us some reviews on here too. If you're liking the show, let us know, let us know where you're from and uh, tell us, tell us what brought you here. And if yeah. there's anything we could do to make the show better, let us know, let us know a topic you want to hear about. Yeah. Lay it, lay it on us. We're excited. Don't We're excited forget to hear we from do you. interviews. We do interviews we do, too. We do interviews. Mr. Worgen's got a discord set up. So, I mean, don't hesitate to get a hold of us. We're excited to hear from you. Yep, on TikTok, Twitch, on Facebook, on Twitter, Instagram. I mean, we are everywhere under Casual Horgan. That's right, Casual Horgan. Yeah, you know, someone's going to type that and, <laughs> and probably pull up some weird stuff. That's probably where you got it from. <laughs> yeah, see, it's going to pop up a picture of your face and just terrify the world. Oh, that's harsh, harsh. But, uh, well, thanks for thanks for chatting with me about this. Does, do you have any more questions before we go? Uh, no, but I will tell you that this sounds like it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a lot of fun. I think we're going to kick some ass at it. So, uh, Team effort. Looking, looking, forward to, looking forward to recording it. Looking forward to hearing from all of you fans out there, wherever you're from. So uh, thanks for having us, and uh, thanks for listening. And this is Casual Radio. We are out. Bob's your uncle.